0: All right, there it is. Hell in a Cell 2019. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast Instant Reaction to Hell in a Cell 2019. I don't know if you heard that in the background, but I've got the closing seconds of this event, which ended with Bray Wyatt, the fiend, as he's called, his music blaring as he gets Seth Rollins to choke up blood. And what was, let's call it like it was, An absolute BS ending to an event. BS ending. I mean, I I was thinking throughout this night, because clearly the most anticipated match was indeed the main event, Seth Rollins putting the Universal title on the line against the fiend Bray Wyatt. And what I was thinking about is, okay, how are they going to end this match? And I did find that fascinating, because I didn't think Seth Rollins would go over him and defeat him. I didn't think they would put the championship on Bray Wyatt. So how the hell are they going to get out of this? How are they going to get out of this match without giving Seth the victory and without giving the belt to Bray Wyatt? So what I thought would happen, and I was very, very wrong, is that somebody would interfere. That this feud between Rollins and Bray Wyatt would be just a one-off with no clear ending, and somebody would get involved, whether it's a new feud for Rollins or a new feud for Bray Wyatt. Because I couldn't figure how else they were going to get out of this. And what they decided to do to get out of it was make history. And for for all the bad reasons. It's a Hell in a Cell match. Seth Rollins is using ladders. He's using chairs. We saw a Hell in a Cell match to open up this event, which we'll get to. The women's match, which was a very good match between Becky and Sasha Banks. They're using chairs. They're using an absurd amount of chairs I think there were 50 used in that match. Yet for some reason, they call for the bell when Seth Rollins uses a sledgehammer on top of all the other crap that was laying on Bray Wyatt. That's when he calls for the bell. Look, I get it. Professional wrestling is scripted and they don't have to follow the same rules over and over again. But don't treat us like we're freaking morons. It's a hell in a cell match. There are no disqualifications. So what the hell did they call? What they call the bell for? For what reason? Because at that point it got too violent. What are you? What are you talking about? There were kendo sticks. There was some kind of block that Bray Wyatt was using. There were tables. They didn't stop the match when Mick Foley went through thumbtacks. They didn't stop the match when Mick Foley, which Jerry Lawler kept mentioning. You know, I was sitting there for Mick Foley Undertaker. We get it, Jerry. We understand. You were there. And by mentioning that match over and over again, you almost expose the absurdity of there being no ending to this match. Now, look, I I understand there was no great way to end this match. I mentioned that at the top. I I didn't think Seth Rollins should go over. I didn't think they were going to put the title on Bray Wyatt, nor should they. Though, I'll tell you, the more I think about it, the best outcome would have been that. The best outcome would have been saying, "Effort, let's just put the belt on Bray. Because the crowd was so in favor of Bray Wyatt. I mean, it wasn't even close. It was almost embarrassing. You know, you would think in this day and age, nothing fools Vince. Well, let me, let me phrase that differently. Everything fools Vince. But as far as... Hey, we get it. The crowd is going to be all over the place. The crowd's going to cheer who they want to cheer. They're going to boo who they want to boo. And I think in this day and age, we have less firm heels and less firm baby faces. But I think they were surprised by this one. (laughs) I think they were stunned that Bray Wyatt was so... Maybe not that Bray Wyatt was over and that Bray Wyatt is popular. Clearly, that character's taken off. But I think maybe they'd be surprised that Seth Rollins was being booed out of the building. I mean, Seth's getting booed. When Seth is hitting him with everything known to man, whether it was the sledgehammer or before that, the tables and the chairs, the crowd was booing it. crowd didn't want to see Seth win to the point that when Bray Wyatt miraculously got better, and you can kind of feel that coming, you know, the stretcher comes out for Bray Wyatt. Look, they're not ending the event with Bray Wyatt, this supernatural freak, going out in an ambulance on a stretcher. That wasn't happening. So when Bray does the mandible claw, pops up, and then just destroys Seth Rollins. The crowd loved it. The crowd was chanting, restart the match, which of course the announcers can't even mention because it shows the absurdity of the fact that the main event didn't have an outcome. Now look, I understand, and we've talked about it in past big events, where you're going to have a title match and you want to extend the feud So you have it end with a schmoz ending. You have a DQ ending. They did that with AJ Styles and Samoa Joe over a year ago. They did that with Steve Austin, Kurt Angle at SummerSlam back in 2001. This is a very, very common thing. And I don't love it, but I understand it. But you can't close a pay-per-view or a big event like that. That's my one rule against it. You can't do that. If the plan here, and I know they would never do this, but if the plan here was to not have a clean ending, then it shouldn't have been the main event. And the main event should have been what opened the show, which was Sasha and Becky, which was a great match that had an ending. We had a winner. Becky won. It was an outstanding wrestling match. And, and I know it's a cliche to say this, but an early candidate for match of the year. I guess it's really not that early, though, because it's October. Okay, a candidate for match of the year. But you can't give us this. You can't give us a non-ending Was the match entertaining? It was very entertaining. My eyes are hurting because of the fact they had to have that that red light on the entire time. Do we need that? Do we need the red light on all the time? But Bray is an event. And what they've done with this character is fantastic. It really is. I mean, Bray Wyatt has been reinvented. Where they go from here, where they go over the next year or two, we'll find out. I mean, is it going to have the staying power of The Undertaker four decades later? Maybe not. But they have reinvented a character that went down the toilet. It is over with the crowd. They are making him look incredibly strong. I mean, even in this, they made him look strong. Because even with Seth destroying him with chairs and sledgehammers, anytime Seth went for the count, he was breaking up at one, which you never see. That's a rarely used tactic in wrestling, to have a guy break out at one routinely. I think the last cover Seth put on him, he broke out at two. But it wasn't even two and a half. It wasn't even one of those old school Vince McMahon, one, two, three, he got him. No, he didn't. Couldn't even go that far. So they clearly made him look strong. And then obviously popping up at the end and putting the mandible claw on Seth and having him you know choke out blood, they're making the character look strong. I don't have a negative feeling on what they did to break. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't think they made him look weak because the refs called for the bell. I didn't get that impression because, again, Seth was never even coming close to beating him. He was kicking out at one, one and a half, one time at two. So they've done a great thing with this character. But are you, you can't have an event close with that. What is that written as in the history books? A disqualification in a hell in a cell match? How the hell do you explain that to your grandkids? I say that facetiously. Yes, they one time decided that's crossing the line. (laughs) Mick Foley's got thumbtacks in his ass. That's not crossing the line. Mick's being thrown off the top of a cage. That's not crossing the line. Triple H is lighting uh, a sledgehammer with barbed wire on fire. But that is not crossing the line, What Seth Rollins did on October six, two 2019, when there was just too many things on top of Bray Wyatt and he hit him with a sledgehammer. That's too far. We got a call for the bell. <laughs> you know, WWE's got to figure this out. Seth and Bray are going to fight again, right? They're probably going to main event Survivor Series. At least I guess they main event Survivor Series. Even though Survivor Series over the years has become this watered-down Raw versus SmackDown BS. But either way, we're going to eventually get a payoff of Bray versus Seth. I got a little memo for the WWE. Bray's got to (laughs) win. He's a machine right now. The people love Bray Wyatt. And you know what I, I think the other problem is? looking down the road at whenever they decide to blow off this feud, Seth isn't going to survive it in good shape if he wins. He's not. Seth Rollins has been, you know, I think he was a better heel than he was a face that first championship run he had, what was it, five years ago now, four years ago now, after he cashed in on Brock at 31. But he's been a good face. Not as good as a heel, but a good face as the universal champion. This is hurting him, though. It really is. This, this is damaging him because Bray's so popular. Now, I don't know what they're going to do to recover with him after this. They almost have to separate them completely after Bray takes the title because I don't know how else they're getting out of it. I mean, it's the same issue I talked about going into this event. What's the proper outcome? Bray Wyatt can't lose to Seth Rollins. Bray Wyatt can't lose to anybody. He is so over with this crowd right now, and I don't know how you can have him lose without kind of taking the shine off of him. So I think it's inevitable he's going to have to walk away with the Universal Championship. Obviously, they have this they have this draft coming up with Raw and SmackDown, which I'm not sure what the hell they're going to do with that. Uh, we've heard about a draft and a lottery so many times, yet they continue to mix SmackDown and Raw superstars to the point where you have no idea who's on what show. I guess this will be different because Fox is Fox. And they even when mentioning the brands and the lottery or the draft, they're calling it, they started to mention USA and Fox a lot more than they ever have in the Raw and SmackDown feuds over the years. You know, the first incarnation when Ric Flair and Vince McMahon had the two companies, Stephanie and Eric Bischoff. They never said, oh, it's Channel 9 versus USA. It's never been something like that. So I'm intrigued what they do with it, but that's neither here nor there. Let's go through this event. Uh, so I look at this Hell in a Cell event and say, and I think a lot of people are going to feel this way. The first hour was outstanding. The first hour was great. The first hour was an event that you could stack up against anything. But after that first hour, I wanted to just go to sleep. Well, in, this, in tonight's case, not really go to sleep, but watch the Washington Nationals implode all over themselves. Or watch a very entertaining Colt Chief game. Because the opening match was Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks. In a Hell in a Cell. They had two Hell in a Cell matches, obviously, the opener and the main event. And Becky and Sasha were, were just tremendous. I mean, they were innovative, which is tough to do in that cell. They were entertaining. In fact, here's how entertaining they were. I don't know if this says more about me than it does how entertaining it was. But I had my iPad set up with the pay-per-view, and me and my wife were watching TV. Coincidentally, the TV show we were watching was Total Divas. <laughs> <laughs> which which makes me sound like I'm just obsessed with everything wrestling. But the truth is, she likes that show. I would say it's more of a her show than it is a me show. So we're watching Total Divas. You know, Ronda Rousey's talking about her uterus and how it's up to her to decide what she wants to do. And this match was so compelling. I said, hey, baby, you mind if we pause this for a second? We got to watch the last five minutes of this thing. And so because it is the women wrestling and she has an idea who some of these women are, she's like, okay, let's check it out. That's how compelling it was. I told her to pause the TV show we were watching so we could watch the last five minutes of this thing. And it was good. It was great. I expected Becky to win. I think Becky is... uh, Maybe calling her the biggest star in the company isn't right, but she's still over, man. People still love her. She's still the man. And even though Sasha's return has been good... I don't think the time was now for Becky to drop the Women's Raw Women's title. And she didn't. She made her tap at the end. It was a good, hard-fought match. I don't think it damages Sasha all that much. They had a nice feud. Maybe they'll fight again. But the problem with them fighting again is I think Becky still has to win. I think Becky's got to hold on to this title. And the truth is, her momentum is strong enough where she could hold on to this title until Mania. And if Ronda is coming back, if Ronda Rousey is not having a baby. See, it all comes together. It does go together with Total Divas. Then that's your, that's your match. I mean, that's. I don't know if it main events WrestleMania again. I would say no to that, but that's where Becky meets her match. Ronda gets revenge, gets the title back. If she wants to come back, if she doesn't want to come back, then what I'm saying is a waste of time. When I said innovative, I, I was very confused about why Sasha was setting up the chair Inside the cell, remember that where she set up the chair inside the gate. Eventually, eventually, Becky hijacked the idea, and I'm trying to describe this. Cause I'm trying to remember it was three hours ago, but she puts the sticks in to hold up the chair. So you got a chair sticking on the cell. And as this was happening, there were two thoughts in my mind. Number one was, okay, what's the plan? What are they doing here with this chair being connected to the cell? But the second thing I was thinking about is. At what point do you, as the wrestler or performer in the ring, do you say, this isn't working, I'm just going to give up on this idea? Now, I know they practiced it, I'm sure. I'm sure they worked on, hey, how do I get the chair to stick to the cell? But I'm thinking about that. You know, because people are watching. They don't want to be bored. You know, we have the attention span of a snail now. At what point of that chair not connecting with the kendo sticks do you say, you know, blanket, I don't do this anymore. I'm going to go think of something else. Now, luckily, they got the chair to stick, and that was creative. Sasha sits on the chair. Becky goes to the top rope and, you know, jumps off the top rope and hits her on the chair that she's sitting in connected to the cell. It was different. I liked it. It was a great match. It was a great match, and it's a good way to open the show. I'm a believer that you want that hot match to start. You want the crowd to be into it, the viewer like myself to be into it. The problem was... After the second match, which was the Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan versus Rowan and Harper match, it was downhill after that. That's why I'm spending a good amount of time on these matches because once we get to Randy Orton Ali, you know, I'm going to fart, talk for 10 seconds, and move on. I'm not actually going to fart. I'm just, you know, I would never do that. I wouldn't do that into a microphone. So you had this Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns versus Rowan and Harper match. And it was a tornado tag match. Okay, cool. May as well call it a tornado tag match because usually when you have a tag match, it turns into a tornado tag match. It's basically the same thing. The only difference is they're they're announcing that everybody can be in the ring at the same time, and the match is starting with everybody in the ring at the same time. And I loved Michael Cole saying that in 1937, we had our first ever tornado tag team match. Now, has anybody verified that that's true? I didn't. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about Googling the names he mentioned, but then I got lazy and I didn't do it. I'm just curious. I mean, was there really a tornado tag match in 1937 or was Michael Cole pulling an old school Gorilla Monsoon, let me make up holds thing? Remember Gorilla Monsoon? He used to just make up holds. That's a great armbar clothesline choke move on the mirascular muscle. He just made it up. We didn't have Google back then. How the hell do we know? So I don't know if there was a Tornado Tag Match in 1937. This was good, though. It was entertaining. It was wild. It's what you expected. Rowan and Harper are good big men. You know, Daniel Bryan knows what he's doing. I like how Bryan is not embracing being a face again because he shouldn't be a face again. I don't even know what the hell they're doing with Daniel Bryan. But as the crowd is doing the yes chance, Daniel Bryan doesn't engage in it. So they're kind of keeping you to wonder, is he a face? Is he a heel? What are they doing with Daniel Bryan? And that's what I was thinking, because, and I was talking to Monzo about this. Monzo, of course, produces Mike's on, wrestling geek, all that, that both of us, I think he said this, but I know I think this, that you're waiting for Daniel Bryan to inevitably turn on Roman Reigns, and that maybe this whole thing was a work. But then again, Daniel Bryan's having an 18-minute match with Eric Rowan on SmackDown. How do they sell to us in any kind of reasonable sense that Daniel Bryan's actually still with them? So... I was intrigued by, okay, how is this match going to end, and what the hell are they doing with Daniel Bryan? Truth is, it was a great match. Uh, they got a clean victory. Bryan did the the running knee, and then Roman did the Superman punch. They all got their finishing moves in, and they got the pin on Harper, not Rowan. And then afterwards, I'm waiting, like, okay, wh- where are we going with this? And all it was was Daniel Bryan saying, I'm not going to shake your hand, hug me. And then they hug. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what the hell's going on with this. I mean, I still think eventually we're getting Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns. Eventually they're going to break them up. But what now? I mean, what, are they going to become the new mega powers? Are they going to fight for the tag titles? Are they going to become long-lost friends and then, you know, we're just going to get the inevitable Daniel Bryan turns heel again thing? Because Daniel Bryan was a good heel. We're not ready for Daniel Bryan as a face. None of us are. We like Daniel Bryan as a heel. He's saving the world. He loves the environment. We're supposed to frown upon that because he's annoying. Uh, He doesn't do the yes chant. I like heel Daniel Bryan. So I think he'll come back, but kind of waiting to see where they go with this. This this whole thing, and I've mentioned this before, about someone attacking Roman Reigns has turned out to be one of the stupidest storylines of the year. First of all, we've got no payoff for it. Oh, great. Eric Rowan did it. And there was a lookalike that they accused of it. And now we got these two bastards as a reunion. They were a tag team a year ago. What was their nickname again? What was their stupid team name again? Where they came out with the mallets? I don't remember. I don't remember. So the the whole feud has been stupid. The whole storyline has been dumb. And now we got Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns making out. I don't know what's going on. Now, right, let's get to the crap of the show. So the first hour, entertaining. The, the the hell in the cell match for the Raw Women's Title, Becky Lynch continues to be a mega star. A tornado tag match, very entertaining with superstars all over the place. And then we get a match that they created on the pre-show. Randy Orton against Ali. Anytime you make the match on the pre-show, that just tells you everything you need to know. And the WWE should never have this excuse. I get it when it's in your house in 1997 and they've got nobody. So they've got headbanger Mosh against, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, I'm thinking of uh, the guy from Puerto Rico. What's his name? Savio Vega. <laughs> I get it. I get it. You have no roster. So you just have to create a match at the last second. They have this loaded roster. But you know what this showed you? They cared more about the season premiere of Raw. They cared more about NXT trying to compete with AEW. And they obviously cared the most about Friday Night SmackDown. This event was an afterthought. It really was. Outside of building up the Bray Rollins thing, everything else was an afterthought. So they gave us Randy Orton against Ali. And I got to hear the announcers making such a big deal about Ali's counter on Orton's RKO was the most creative thing they've ever seen. Give me a break. Waste of time. The Kabuki Warriors... Kyrie, sane and oscar beat nikki cross and alexa bliss whatever oscar's a heel she uses the green mist for the cheap w and we've got new women's uh raw women's raw tag team champions women's smackdown tag team whatever the tag team champions the six-man match what a bore that was carl anderson luke gallows and aj against the viking raiders and their mystery partner Turns out to be braun strowman Braun Strowman, the Tyson Fury thing. They're, they're continuing to build that up. Where is that going? Is Tyson Fury going to wrestle? And even if he does, the match would suck. Wouldn't be any good. But of course, you know, Braun knocks out AJ Styles with one punch and they start selling us on, you know, Braun Strowman, the boxer, I guess. Filler. That's what this match was. Filler. Want more filler? How about Chad Gable against King Corbin? What filler that is. Chad Gable is short. King Corbin's a giant douche. Gable won because the ref's trying to take this scepter away from Baron Corbin. Oh, my God. I th- I'm telling you, I thought I was watching In Your House. That was brutal. The Charlotte Bailey match, things started to turn around. First of all, Michael Cole revealed in the middle of that match that he's a Mets and Jets fan, which many people may have already known. I didn't realize that. Very cool. And I think the line was, uh, hey, do you want to root for a winner? And Cole's response was, well, I'm a Met and Jet fan. So it was a very good answer. But here's what really surprised me. Let's talk wrestling uh wrestling hints that they've given us over the years. I don't even know if that's worded correctly. But you'll you'll get what I mean by the explanation. How many times have we seen a tag team match or a six man match before pay per view where the two people fighting result in the outcome? For example, I'm going to give you a specific example. WrestleMania 18 was Hulk Hogan against The Rock. A few weeks earlier on Raw, maybe a week earlier, there was some kind of multi-man tag match where Hogan pinned The Rock, right? And what happened at WrestleMania? The Rock beat Hogan, right? So they give you the opposite of what's going to happen at the pay-per-view, and it becomes very, very predictable. Well, if I'm not mistaken, And I could be wrong because maybe I wasn't paying that close attention. But Charlotte got Bailey to tap on SmackDown. And guess what? She got her to tap at the pay-per-view. So they went against the normal wrestling psychology. And I'm surprised, but I'm not, because early on when they were talking about Charlotte trying to win the title for the 10th time, and I started to think about the lottery or the draft and SmackDown and its importance I started to think, you know what, they're going to want the belt on Charlotte. It it was hitting me throughout this match, but I said, wait a second. They're going to go against years-old wrestling psychology and have Charlotte make her tap out again? Well, she did. So that went against everything you usually know. And now Bailey was crying, and she's like, oh, what happened? I can't lose. You know what the problem is? If your name isn't Becky Lynch and your name isn't Charlotte Flair, you could have the title and it's great. But once you lose the title, you're probably going down the drain. Would you like proof? Oscar. You want more proof? Sasha Banks. And you want future proof? Bailey. Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair and Ronda, if she ever came back, megastars. Don't even need the belt on them. But when the belt isn't on them, specifically Charlotte, it's just a matter of time before they get it back. So that's the only thing I feel bad for. What the hell happens to Bailey after this thing is over? And then, of course, we had the main event, which we opened up this podcast with. Overall, it was a weird pay-per-view because, again, the first hour is great. The next hour plus sucked. And the main event was entertaining. I was glued to it. It was different. But you can't end a big event with a a hell-in-a-cell DQ. You can't do it. But you know what it shows you? This whole week of wrestling, which was a very, very exciting week, the season premiere of Raw, which means nothing to me, they gave us garbage announcers, which, by the way, I still don't know who the hell is who. All I, know, The only person I know for the Raw announcers is Jerry Lawler, and about he hasn't been good in 12 years. I'm sorry. He used to be great. He is a terrible broadcaster. And the other two guys, I have no idea who they are. I guess I'll learn to like them. Not learn to like them, but I'll learn to be familiar with them. So they have the season premiere of Raw. That's a big deal. Um, The idea that the WWE needs to compete with AEW. Why? Let AEW have their Wednesday night. NXT is now on USA as opposed to being on the WWE Network. I've made this clear. I don't watch NXT. There's just only so much wrestling I can engage in. But I am making room for AEW. And I did watch the (laughs) inaugural AEW Dynamite show. I very much enjoyed it. And... To me, there is no war on Wednesday night. I'm not watching NXT. I've got enough WWE programming in my life. Uh, I want to watch AEW. They're different, and I want to give them a shot. But it 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 kind of does bother me the more I think about it that you're the, you're pro wrestling, you're World Wrestling Entertainment. You've got a network. You've got Raw. You've got events. Every, you know, every other Sunday or every four Sundays, you have SmackDown on Fox. You really need to compete with AEW on Wednesday night. You really need to put a show out there, and then after they kick your ass, you you release this press release saying, "Oh yeah, this is great. This is a this is a marathon." So don't even compete with them. Keep NXT on WWE Network. Trust me, people don't want to watch NXT. I know a lot of people do. They watch it on WWE Network. I don't know why this is starting to bother me, but it is. Don't compete with them. Don't be dicks. You know what? That's the move. That's what it really sounds like. It sounds like they're really they're just being jerks. Oh, we, we gotta, we gotta show. We have to show how powerful we are. Let them have Wednesday. They're not coming on Monday. They're not coming on Friday. Let them have Wednesday. And the SmackDown thing on Friday, uh, I don't know much about Velasquez. I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't even know who he is. I'm sorry. I'm not a big MMA guy. And every time the WWE tries to, you know, bring in Tyson Fury or an MMA guy. I don't know, kind of cheapens what we're watching. I mean, Brock Lesnar can't lose to him unless he's becoming a full-time WWE wrestler, which I've read recently, I guess he wants to be a full-time professional wrestler. But I'm curious how they keep SmackDown going, because Raw's always been the A show. I know SmackDown at times has been more entertaining, but clearly with it being on Fox, all the money being invested in it, they are going to try to push it. How they split up these rosters will be fascinating. And then here's the key question, and I've said this many times. They're going to split up these rosters between Raw and SmackDown. How separate do they keep them? Prediction, or as Paul Heyman would say, spoiler, they're not going to be that separate for long. They never are. But overall, as far as this pay-per-view is concerned, because maybe I'll do another podcast about all, all that other garbage, whether it's AEW or the new SmackDown or the roster splits. It was a very, overall, I'd give it a C. I mean, honestly, first hour is good, middle hour sucks, main event doesn't give you payoff. And I always say this, that that main event matters, and how the show ends matters. And if the taste in your mouth is lousy when a show is over, that's a really terrible sign. Anyhow, that's the Hell in the Cell Instant Reaction Edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. You want to hear about some of the scheduled podcasts we have coming up, besides your random Instant reactions, which can happen anytime—you never know. Uh, we're going to do a Mets regular season in review podcast, a little bit on the manager search, but a lot on recapping the 2019 season. That will be posted on Tuesday, October 8th. The following week, at NBA prediction podcast with my buddy Patrick Maher of Serious Mad Dog Radio. The following week, a Brooklyn Nets roundtable season preview. And many other podcasts squeezed in whenever the hell I feel like it. That's the beauty of it. So I want to thank you if you decided to actually listen to this whole thing. I want to thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.